Welcome to running. Oh my god, are you serious? Are you serious? Oh my god. Right. Welcome to Running is Bullshit. I'm Amy. And I'm Stuart, and you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. And oh, have we got some excitement for you this week. All kinds of things coming up. First of all, I want to talk about the most important thing, which is about me. It's a great personal achievement. Uh, recently, I bought a pair of shoes, and wait for it, the story gets even better. And these shoes were just a bit too big. Um, I was looking for good shoes for my shit flat feet, and I found what I thought would be the perfect pair of Brooks. However, when they arrived, they were extra wide fit. And I didn't think that actually help at all because my feet were kind of flapping around in a bit. I kind of did the laces, put my insoles in. So instead of doing what I usually do, which is just running them for a year and hurt my feet even more, or throw them in the back of the cupboard and ignore and ignore them, I returned them. Oh my god! I went to a place. I did the form. I returned the shoes. I know this probably doesn't sound like a big deal to most like actual adults who are listening to this, but there's a small lazy section of our listeners that have just gone, whoa, that is a huge deal. Did you have to like send it back to an online shop? Uh, yeah, I had to, I had to oh walk God. to a, a shop, which is like a mile away, package it up, put a sticker on it and like give it to the guy. Oh, it was like, a big deal. Yeah. I mean, if I bought something from a physical shop, maybe I'd take it back. But the whole, like, package it up, do a form, send it off, that's just too much. Yeah, I never return shit. I just ignore it. I just put up with it. Yeah. I've got, a, like, a heart rate monitor on my desk right here, which doesn't work with anything. But I've still got it because I didn't send it back because I'm too fucking lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got a wardrobe full of shit like that. So I get it. <laughs> uh, this episode gets even more exciting. Amy, tell us what we've got. Coming up on the rest of this episode, we have International Buffage retiring shoes, questionable underwear, and why we're the greatest runners ever. That is a true fact and a real thing. <laughs> Verified. <laughs> but first of all, we're going to catch up on the last episode. And on travelling abroad for races, um, Vicky Hawkins tweeted to say, I've travelled abroad for 5k. Well, park run. What? I flew from Madrid to Paris for one night and also flew home in Dubai to Tokyo, which is 10 hours, for four days for the inaugural Japan park run. Fell in love with Tokyo then, and now moving there this summer. So it's worked out quite well. What is your life, Vicky? You're like flying all over the world for 5Ks, and you're like, you know what, this park run in Tokyo is good, might as well just change my entire life. Are you okay, Vicky? Is yeah, like Dubai, <laughs> Dubai's quite good. But yeah, I'm just going to go to Tokyo for four days. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go and live in Tokyo. Why not? <laughs> oh, what a life you lead, Vicky. It sounds quite exciting. She's got the cash to splash. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Let's Alec... not ask her what she, how she's earning that money, of course. No, no. Mm. Alec Lodge commented on the last episode on Facebook. He said, perfect timing. I listened first thing while out on a run, specifically, all caps, to complete the Strava June half marathon challenge. Hashtag Strava challenges are bullshit. Oh, Alec, you are literally part of the problem. You ruin Strava for the rest of us. No one cares. No one has ever clicked on your profile and looked at your trophy case to see a load of fucking stickers or whatever they are. No one cares. Stop it, Alec. I still don't get it. I still don't get the Strava challenges thing. I, but I literally use Strava to track my mileage. I don't look at anything else. So I wouldn't get it, I guess. <laughs> Ugh. Rachel Bentley, 
she messaged us to say, listen this morning on my run and it was hot with like a little hot face emoji, which is very appropriate, very clever. And also had my period. So as well as being very sweaty, I had zero energy and tummy pain. Hashtag periods are bullshit. And then she included a photo of herself on the run there. And to be fair, Rachel, yeah, you do look like shit. (laughs) Oh, Rachel, you look fine, Rachel. Don't worry about it. I I thought honesty was good. No, I, I I honestly think you look great, Rachel. Don't worry. And like kudos, actual kudos, not fake Strava kudos, actual kudos for getting out there on your period, because I tend to just take like four days off. <laughs> I it's it's awful. I hate running on my period, and so well done. I know that's what you're supposed to do when you read like young women when they read you know magazines when they're teenagers and they give loads of advice on periods and things like that. They always be like gentle exercise and all this, and I'm like nah. No, nah, mate, I'm staying in bed all day, you know? <laughs> I thought you could do, like, parachuting and bungee jumping and stuff. Oh, though. yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, some blue liquid will come onto a pad and just fade in through, you know? <laughs> now, also, I know we're not supposed to judge on what people wear to run, but what do we think of Rachel's giant gold headphones? I think they're quite cool. A bit much? <laughs> Maybe a bit much. Maybe a bit. But then, I, you know, I kind of get it. You, I see some runners wearing those sorts of, sort of headphones. I'm like, oh, they look pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. I've never really liked the idea of wearing massive headphones to run in. It just it just looks wrong to me. They feel like they're indoor things. Mm, at the same time, that they do stay on your ears a bit easier. I run with AirPods in at the moment just because, like I've said on the podcast before, I like to call people and have rants down the phone um, with people while I'm running. So they, they work quite well for that purpose, but they are a bit fiddly. I have had them fall out my ears a few times, so I kind of get it. Well, we've also had running is bullshit in another language. So thank you very much to Provincias O'Keefe. Amy will now hit us with some Irish. Oh, you know what? So you, you've told, you've put it in there how to pronounce it phonetically. I'm still going to fuck that bit up. So, so yeah, that's the joke, Amy. Yes. <laughs> is... As if Anglo-Irish relations couldn't get any worse. Here we go. Oh God, this is going to well. This is yeah. Is cock to rav a rye? Thank you so much. That was worth it, wasn't it? Oh, I'm so sorry. Can I just say sorry to all the Irish speakers and all the citizens of Ireland? I am sorry. <laughs> Amy, other than that pronunciation, why has your bullshit been this week? Oh, so we'll get on to our little 21 mile jaunt a bit later. Ooh, but tease. yeah, ooh, foreshadowing there. But since then, which was two weeks ago, since then I have I haven't really ran hardly at all. I've done oh. a couple of runs. So first off, I was knackered after that run. Like I felt like I, I think it was the elevation that just did me in. I think if we were doing twenty one miles flat, I would have been okay, but like it was the elevation and I was tired in so the same way I was tired after the ultra. <laughs> I was just I, I just felt exhausted for days afterwards. And I just felt um if you you know when you like race really hard or do like a really long like an ultra, you f- feel like you're getting a bit of a cold or something, like your immune system's taking a bit of a beating as oh, well. Yeah. I felt like that and it was just I just felt absolutely awful. So I had that um for the week after following the run and I thought, okay, that's cool. I can just like have a e- bit of an easier week, let my body recover. And then the second week, I was doing lots of stuff at the gym while I wasn't running. And I did all this gym stuff and a lot of stretching at the gym, like stretch class and so on. And then on the, I think it was like the Saturday or something like that, I coughed and pulled a muscle in my chest. <laughs> like, and it was weird. It was like bang in the center of my chest. And it was so unbelievably painful. It was painful when I breathed in. 
and then it was painful when I put any weight on my arms that like you're like sort of lifting yourself up out of a chair or anything it was incredibly painful then um I, I said it to uh obligatory mention to Liz Reese I was telling Liz I was like oh I pulled this muscle and she said yeah my mum did that one she coughed and she cracked a rib and I'm like, thanks, Liz. No. <laughs> cool. It's, it's pretty much gone now, so I don't think it is a cracked rib. But that was absolutely crap. And I couldn't have run with it because just breathing was painful enough. But it was like the most awkward place for it to happen. What a shit way to injure yourself. Uh, it was hay fever as well that did it. Like, just coughing from hay. I did like a big chesty cough because of my hay fever. And just something went. And I was like, that's it. Ugh. Gone. So that's been my week. It's just been feeling shit, basically. <laughs> yeah. I saw you did go on a little adventure the other day, though. Oh, yeah. What, when I was in Leicester? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to Leicester to visit some family. Uh, if anyone's from Leicester, you'll know, you'll perhaps know Watermead Park, which is a very nice little uh, park, as the name suggests, with lots of lakes. Did get lost several times um, around the lakes, which I've run there loads before. Like when I used to visit before lockdown, I've been there you know, loads of times, but I just kept getting a bit lost. Um, the other thing was right at the beginning of the run, I didn't want to eat my flapjack before I went out because it was like 6am and I wasn't hungry. So I took it with me and I was eating a bit and I fed some ducks in the river and they followed me for about a mile. A whole crowd of them just followed me along the canal. Like just because I give them one bit of flapjack and I was like, back off guys, chill out, you know. Watch out, you're going to get into that whole debate now of whether you should feed ducks or not, which gets uh, which gets fierce on Twitter. I've, I've just, People go crazy about this. I've just realised that because I did say I fed them some flapjack and it's probably not best to feed them really sugary flapjack. Can I just add, this is not related to running, but literally an, an hour or so before I came on the podcast, we had to rescue a pigeon from our terrace. Oh no. So our cat was like at the door, at our door on our terrace, and he had a pigeon in his mouth and I was like, oh god he's killed a pigeon i think i said on the last podcast he'd killed something or or he caught something i was like oh he's killed a bloody pigeon and then the pigeon was still alive but it seemed to have hurt its wing well trying to pick up this pigeon in a towel and put it somewhere and i'm like ringing the vets and the vets are like no we can't take it i'm ringing like pigeon rescue and they're up in Caffilly. i rang the rspca and the rspca wouldn't come out they said i've got to try and get the tag off its foot and call the national pigeon racing society and anyway oh so this is a proper pigeon then it's yeah it's you know what it's beautiful not just a shit pigeon no 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 it's in really good condition well not anymore obviously but uh, <laughs> it's in really good condition it's got like two tags if anyone knows like one of the tags has an n at the start n for november and then some some uh, numbers after that so uh, what I've done is, in the end, basically no one's going to come pick it up. No one's that interested. I've still, I've given it like a little thing, given it some food and some water, and I'm hoping it'll just recover a bit, you know, because it, it, its wing seems a bit injured, but I think it'll be able to just have a bit of a rest and fly off. Um, okay. I was going <laughs> to say at the beginning there, like, I don't know why you're rescuing a pigeon. There's enough pigeons in the world. But if it's like a racing pigeon that's owned by someone, then yeah. It seems to be used to be being picked up as well. Like, I didn't want to pick it up. I don't really particularly want to pick up a pigeon, but... Um, but yeah, I, when I once I had it in the towel, it was quite relaxed. And now it, it was like sleeping a bit. And I've just had a look outside and it's just sort of, one. it's eating some flapjack. I give it some full flapjack. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so, oh. uh, so Amy, I, friend of the birds everywhere. Friend of the birds. I'll update you on the next podcast what happens to the pigeon, whether it does fly off or whether the, the cat's staying in now. I swear to God, I'm sick of it. Anyway, anyway Stuart, how's, how's your week been? <laughs> Uh, well, all over the place. Uh, I've just had my second jab last night, so I'm now literally invincible. Can lick anyone I like. Thank you very much. Um, we were going to do the VK, the Vertical Kilometre Challenge. So I tried to have an easy week leading up to that, but 
Uh, we went away for a few days as well, did a shitload of walking, did just as much elevation, if not more than usual. Um, so I would have been knackered. In the end, cancelled it anyway, because like everyone else, there was only like four people left by the end. Because I think as it got closer, more people just pulled out because they realised how fucking stupid it was. That's kind of the reason as well that we're a little bit late this week as well. Because you went away to Leicester, I oh, went yeah. away to the Y Valley, which kind of two trips overlapped each other. And we didn't tell each other about it, and so we didn't make any kind of contingency. Um, so we just ran out of time. <laughs> I, I have forgotten about that yeah i said oh i haven't done anything this week i was like oh yeah the reason why we didn't record the podcast on time yeah. i was away i need yeah <laughs> yeah by the way fucking love the y valley beautiful place yeah. somewhere we definitely have to go more uh it's a very good good place if you're anywhere near there you sh- absolutely should visit it it's where um sex education was filmed so it's got all those beautiful kind of uh river shots and lots of nice woods really really good runs and walks around there as well and on one of our walks we went through the Tidenham tunnel which is a, a tunnel they've just reopened to the public i think it used to be an old train tunnel for the stone quarries around there it's now open it's over a kilometer long and tell you what it is dark and scary as fuck in there i think i'm supposed to be doing a race through there at some point you know when it's supposed to be I have, I've got the Vogum, then I've got the Rhythm, but then I'm pretty sure I'm running through that tunnel. Cool. I, prob- I probably won't be going to that race. No, I don't think so. Uh, it's a it tunnel. Is... It is a tunnel in the Y Valley that's just been opened, so it yeah, sounds yeah, like that it's one. that one. Yeah, yeah it's over a kilometre long, and it's got a couple of corners in it, which means there's no daylight either end, you can see. And it's just got a series of lights along every kind of five, ten metres, really kind of low down and quite kind of low lit. So it's really spooky, and I don't know, I assume it's for bats and moths and shit. They keep it dark, because it says, like, no lights. You're not allowed to have torches and shit in there as well. And it is really scary and cold. That's the thing I didn't expect. As you get towards it, it was a really hot day. And as we got towards it, it was like a fridge in there. It must have been down, like, near five degrees. Mm. And it was cold in there as well. So that was a real surprise. And I do want to take uh, a group run around there at some point, because it's a great loop from Chepstow to Tinton. And back down to Chepstow, the other side of the river, through that tunnel. It's a really, really great place to run. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do the VK, which was fine because I wasn't up for that, frankly. Um, oh, also, my exciting other news is I've got poles. I've gone full running wanker. I've got me some poles from Harrier just because I can. How are they? How are you finding them? Do you know, I really like them, actually. Uh, I've only done, like, one kind of little walk with them just to test them. But straight away... You can really feel a difference with them. You know, it just move. It basically just moves a load from your legs onto your arms. Mm. Really, it just kind of spreads out where you're doing that work. And I kind of bought them because I want, you know, because I'm doing this ultra. I'm going to be out for hours. Any kind of help, I think, is a good thing. I think that'd be great for you as well because your mm. Vogum target is like, like ten hours or something. It's a long time to be on your feet. Yeah. And I just think anything you can take off your legs and spread around onto your arms instead. It makes such a huge difference. I mean, that was when I did the Vogum last time, I was out there for, I think, almost 14 hours. It was a long time. Uh, and there was a lot of walking. And by the it was my feet that hurt the most. My feet, the days afterwards, were in agony. And not, like, injured, just aching. Just because I'd been on them so long. It was at, And towards the end, I think I've said this before, but, like, towards the end, I couldn't walk. I had to run towards the end albeit very slowly because I'd, I'd obviously been using the whatever muscles in your feet you use more to walk than run those were the ones that were tired and by running it sort of, sort of took the tension off those but yeah that was the worst bit about the ultra was my feet were just in agony yeah so I would recommend to anyone again and even if you're going to look like a wanker 
I mean, someone else, I said this on Twitter, and someone pointed out to me that I host a running podcast. I'm on the committee of a running club. I do the social media and the website for a running club. Uh, I've guest hosted another running podcast. I run with my girlfriend and my dog. This isn't going to be the thing that pushes me over the edge to be a running wanker. I crossed that bridge a long time ago. Thank you, Paul Cole, for that. But <laughs> if you know someone with polls and you're not quite sure about them, I would say borrow them and just have a go. So I've watched lots of videos of how to use them and stuff. And it is surprising, even just like on a short walk up a hill I did, it's surprising what kind of difference that it makes. Mm. And the ones from Harry are only about 40 quid as well. Mm. Mm. Shout out to Harry there again. <laughs> of course, this is just what we always do now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Amy, moving on to our main feature of this podcast. Amy, when we talk of great runners, we think, in Britain, we think Damien Hall and Nicky Spinks and Killian Journey. And now we will have to add ourselves to that list mm -hmm. as we are officially the fastest runners ever on a route that I added to the fastest known website. It counts. I was going to say, are we still the fastest runners? We'll come to that. <laughs> we finally managed to run the Penrith Pilgrimage Way after banging on about it for six months. Uh, we did it together with a clubmate of ours, Michael Dark. Uh, frankly, he is the real hero for putting up with us for most of a day. I mean, this was, it was a big day. I mean, start at the beginning and you, we had to sort out doggy daycare. Oh, the, the like the endless texts from me that were paragraphs long of how to look after my dogs. Because <laughs> in the end, my girlfriend Holly um, looked after, she was being at home anyway with our dog. Um, so she took your dogs for you as well and yeah you just still these back oh and by the way they do this oh and then if they do this don't worry about that oh but then they sometimes do this as well the thing is it made it more complicated because pipping was in season so i was like yeah. you know be careful with pipping you may have like a, a whole herd a whole pack of dogs following you around so just be careful with her but uh apparently they behave on the car. quite well yeah yeah, yeah. The, you know some you know finley might drool all over your car but that's okay it's just drooling it's not peeing <laughs> I went to Hoover the car a little while after that, and I think most of uh, Finley was still in there. Don't, yeah, his hairs are so, that would, <laughs> should have been in the warning. It was like Jesus Christ, he he's been to the groomer as well. He has had his undercoat taken out, and it is still coming out. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was a complicated way to start the day. We had to drive down to yours for like half past six in the morning or something to pick you up and the dogs, and then us to get dropped off at the start point. Um, and then Mike was late, which. I, I mean, fair enough. I think there was a, a traffic accident the night before or something like that. But, you know, I had to wait around a little bit at the cathedral. Oh, by the way, we started at um, Clandaff Cathedral in Cardiff. Have you seen they've painted their steps up yes. to the pavement in uh, rainbow colours yeah. for Pride Month, apparently? Mm. That's yeah. nice. I did see that posted on like the official Facebook and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what the comments will be like. <laughs> haven't seen anything bad yet. <laughs> Although someone pointed out they painted it in seven rainbow colours, not which is not the Pride six colours of yeah. a rainbow. So well, I'm putting that down to being an innocent mistake. They, they tried, They I mean think. well. They mean well. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you'd make that mistake. But, you know, it was close. But good for them. <laughs> uh, we started about, what, quarter past seven in the morning. Yeah. Um, we did a little bit of uh, this last episode. We had those kind of few recordings. We had it in there of uh, Amy being really grumpy. Uh, the first, first bit was all fairly easy because it's all bits that I knew really well because it was kind of near my house. All nice and surprisingly dry. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of the only thing that I found, this is why I wouldn't have been able to do that route on my own. There was a lot of like weaving in and out. Like what you think would just be a direct route. You were like, no, you have to go down here and under an underpass and across the road. Da, da, da. So that's the only thing I found that was, if I wasn't with you guys, it would have been a no go. <laughs> yeah, there were some strange kind of corners and things and that. But again, it's it's like a really old pilgrimage route. 
Um, but I suppose it has. They have to do their best to recreate it with the roads that there are now. Mm. I guess mm. so. It's quite tricky to to squeeze it all in. It could have been. It could have been ten miles that route. I reckon if you went as the crow flies, if you just ran across it rather than going back and forth and up and down. <laughs> yeah, but it would have taken a lot longer as the crow flies, like sure. going across roads and through <laughs> through people's houses, which you probably can't do really. No. So we got out onto the edge of Cardiff and through Penturk and Kriger onto some like uh, onto some nice like sheep fields, and that was all very nice. And then as we got past Kriger, which is the very outskirts of Cardiff that no one in Cardiff knows is part of Cardiff. Um, we got out onto all new trails and paths. There's all bits I hadn't done before. So from there, that's when we started to get lost. Yes. <laughs> we saw lots of nice sheep, though. Like, think, speaking of sheep, I said last podcast that I would kill a sheep, and I would if I had to. But we met some really friendly ones. I, I even had got to stroke a lamb's head. Uh, yeah, they were very lovely. Like, mm. like you say, you don't want to kill a sheep, no. but you would if you had to. If I'm yeah, just putting it out there. If I had to, yeah. I would not hesitate, but I didn't have to on this run, so it was all Gucci. Yeah, it's fair to say the path in most places was not well marked. and <laughs> um, That was a bit unfortunate. But as it turns out, afterwards, I did speak to like the founder of the path, the person who's in charge of the path and the way, and um, they said that apparently the council there have a load of discs ready to go up but because covid hit they just haven't put them out so they're in a warehouse somewhere and eventually i think they are going to walk it a few more times and plan out where to put the discs so people can follow the path a lot better because some of them were already broken they've only been there i think a year or so but it was a very tricky one to navigate definitely yeah <laughs> i think we got lost three times or just kind of went the wrong way we kind of were always heading in the right direction we didn't really I, I don't think we really had to go back on ourselves too much it was more that we'd walk all the way around a field rather than just going straight through or something like that you know it was more that sort of thing that is the hard thing sometimes about these kind of trail runs in the country when you get to a field you think well Am I allowed to go straight across or do I have to go around the edge? Because sometimes you can go straight across, sometimes you have to go around the edge. And if there's no path there, if there's no direct sign, if you can't see the style, or there's no path beaten through the grass or whatever is growing there, you just don't know. And it feels very odd to walk through a, a farmer's field sometimes. I think a lot of the moment, a lot of the trails... In, in general trails in general aren't being very well maintained like where i was running at the weekend i was running along a towpath and it, the trail just was not maintained at all it was just so overgrown i think that's a real issue as well because especially when you like you say go across farmers fields because it's like i have no idea where is my public right of way here let's just yolo yeah. it yeah I, I don't think many trails actually get maintained i think they're maintained by people running through them at this time of year they're just really overgrown mm-hmm. Uh, we got to the halfway point and there was just a massive steep hill, which is where we put in a recording last time. I think that was the point you started to have real regrets, wasn't it? Yeah, I was already, I mean, to be fair, like it was sort of, uh, there was a lot of uphill from the very beginning. There was a lot of uphill. And I don't know why I wasn't expecting that because you're going out towards the valley. So why wouldn't, and Cardiff is in yeah. the like in the dip of a valley, isn't it? So I, I don't know why I wouldn't expect to go uphill, but I did. And I think that hill was so incredibly steep. I uh, just yeah that was the start of me just not not having a very good time <laughs> yeah and that was about 10 miles i think that was about two and a half hours in so i was thinking yeah. to myself, oh you know we're, we're roughly on for about five hours that's kind of what i thought it would be mm. and we got up that really steep hill and some nice trails at the top and we got to clantricent which as it turns out isn't just another shit valleys town which i was really surprised by because i i kind of knew the name i'd never been there i never knew what was there 
And apparently it's a really nice, really old town. I had a little bit of a look on Wikipedia earlier. We ran past a guild hall that's been there since 1346. There's been a, a castle there for 800 years. You know, the centre of town is called the Bull Ring, which kind of gives away that it's pretty old. Um, cobbled streets. And it's like, oh, actually, this is very nice. There's a nice little, like, uh, like, craft guild sort of you know like a place where there's lots of different people selling crafts and stuff in yeah. there and there's an old smelly dog that that tends to want i mean that dog's probably dead by now but the re- last time i went like three or four years ago there was an old smelly dog that wandered around as well Aww. so yeah it's nice little shops and stuff it is quite surprisingly nice <laughs> i like a shop that has an old smelly dog in that's nice yeah yeah smell it before you see it you know yeah, that's really nice. Um, I, I say shit Valley's Town. I do feel a little bad saying that because I was trying to remind myself as we were running around there, you know, there's kind of a reason they're a bit shit, these places, because they were just these houses built on the side of mountains mm-hmm. with nothing else around because there was coal there. So they would put houses as close as possible. And then all the coal mines shut down and there's just literally nothing there for people. Yeah. So it's kind of no wonder people haven't got jobs because there's no jobs to have. And so that's obviously why places like that get run down. So I'm just trying to not to be a dick about that. And, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why a lot of the Welsh Valleys are pretty grim places unfortunately it's a shame because the the scene i was just gonna say it's like it's a shame because the scenery is absolutely beautiful and it's you know if you're looking for somewhere that's fairly cheap to stay and you want to do lots of walking and trail running don't just like go to the brecon beacons consider the welsh valleys there's some really really nice trails around there absolutely and one of the real things i noticed is everyone got so much nicer the further we got from cardiff and i'm sure this happens all over the place but as you get out into the countryside people just get nice Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I didn't mind when people said to me, like, keep going. I mean, if an old man was going, keep going. I don't mind. I don't mind if the, the old man's going, keep going, because he's up the top of a hill with his little Jack Russell. I don't mind that. It's the middle-aged men walking down Cardiff Bay Barrage that I don't want telling yeah. me to keep going. <laughs> yeah, when it's out somewhere like that, when they've got really thick accents, we yeah. can only just work out what they're saying. And there's about probably three or four people on the way asked us where we were going or where we'd run from, or at least, like... You know, we said hello to him as we ran past. We said good morning. But then quite a few people actually asked a supplementary question. We're like, whoa, hang on, what's this? Mm-hmm. And that was actually really nice. And the further we got from Cardiff, the nicer people got. And that was really lovely. Mm-hmm. So as we got out past halfway, uh, there were some nice horses mm-hmm. we saw. We, that was uh, that was nice as well. There's lots of wildlife. And again, just all these wonderful views we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get really lost in one section Oh, there was a, a big hill between Trebanog and Tonopandi, because we went through all kinds of places I'd never really heard of. And we just got to the top of this hill. It was just in a it was just grass hill, and there was just a signpost in the middle of nothing, pointing to nowhere in particular, with no paths leading away from it, no beaten down grass. And it just had no idea where to go. I think we lost about fifteen minutes there walking around along the ridge of a hill. And then the path we need to go to is down behind a couple of ridges. So we just got really lost there. Mm, yeah, some of it you do just, you can see where you need to be, but. Sort of. And then you can see just barbed wire and stuff. And you're like, how am I supposed to get to there? But we figured yeah, it out. Yeah, you can see end. fences and things, but you don't know if there's styles there. And like, is that a fence I can go over? It's, yeah, it's always hard to know whether it is, you know, is this common land I'm allowed to wander around on? Is that farmland? Don't know. Is there going to be a farm with a gun coming out? <laughs> yeah, it gets tricky around there. Um, but then the best bit of the whole run, as we got to 32K, we got to a hill and it started off uh, right at the bottom. I think we crossed river or railroad track and then there were some steps and then there was a street and then there was uh then there was kind of a concrete track 
and then there was a muddy hill. It was about 180 meters elevation and about a kilometer, and we actually had a little sit down on that. <laughs> uh, that broke me. I have never got to the stage before where I felt I physically can't go on. Like I physically need to stop. That was yeah. awful. And those steps, those steps at the beginning, because. As we were doing the run, people were like texting and messaging on Instagram, stuff like that, saying, oh, have you not told Amy about the massive hill at the end? <laughs> so I knew there was a hill coming in at the end. Um, but and I thought those steps was it. I thought that was it. By the time we got to the steps, I was like, that must be the worst of it. And then we got to those, um, near that foot, there was the football pitch. And there was another massive, really, really steep hill then that I kept having to yeah. stop up. And I thought, this, this must be it. And then... We oh, also, sorry. Also, there was that lovely cemetery. Yes, that's what I was thinking. There was, yeah, a cemetery with a lot of new headstones, which was very worrying. Um, oh, I think it wasn't. Actually, I looked at some of them. Some of them were like 30 or 40 years yeah, old, but think, looked brand new. Someone was doing a cracking job looking after it, that cemetery. It was a bit scary when you went past and you saw they were all looked brand new because you're like, what is going on here? Um, but that... <laughs> the, because we were near a cemetery as well, in my head... Because, again, I hadn't, look, I hadn't looked at the route that you sent through. Of course, of course. I'm not going to look at the bloody route. And I'm glad I didn't or else I wouldn't have gone. Um, but I saw the cemetery I thought we must be near a church or something this must be where it ends I'm going to turn the corner and there's going to be that sodding statue of the Virgin Mary Um, but it wasn't was it no no, No. that that was not the end and that that, yeah, that bit where we had to have a little sit down I was just I just couldn't how close were you to losing it at that point I was close. My, you know what though? So I, I, you said I didn't get my nutrition right. My, my nutrition was fine because I felt like I had the energy. What it was is like my legs, mm. nothing. Like my legs were like, no, we can't carry you further. It was like my the muscles in my legs were like, we're, we're done. Because we, I was sh- my legs were shaking because it was just too much. Yeah. I, but I felt it was frustrating because I felt like all the rest of me, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm okay. I wasn't feeling like unwell or anything like that. But I just physically, it was like physically trying to get up that hill. I just felt like I couldn't do it and it's just because I, I don't do a lot of elevation in my training runs so that was just at the end of what were we at then I don't know what 32k that was 32k is. what's yeah. that in miles like 20 yeah so 20 so we had one mile left miles. to go yeah. yeah to do that after 20 miles when we'd already done a fair bit of elevation it was just yeah awful I mean we were probably about five and a half hours in and other than kind of getting a bit lost and looking at, at maps and things we hadn't really had a rest we no, hadn't we had a, a break or a, definitely hadn't sat down yeah we had a, you know some walking breaks up hills and things, but we hadn't really had a proper rest. And I did message Mike earlier about anything that stood out to him, and he he did find it quite funny that we decided to have a rest halfway up the hill. Well, yeah, because there was no, it wasn't a choice. Though. It wasn't like oh, let's have a sit down and conserve our energy. I couldn't carry on. That wasn't a choice yeah. to sit down. Getting, wasn't a choice. <laughs> you were just getting so grumpy up the hill. I'm like, should we should we have a little sit down? <laughs> I think there's there's a little bit there. There's a little kind of flattened off bit there. A little wall or something. We can, we can have a little, do you want to have a little sit down? Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have, I think I wouldn't have been able to continue if I hadn't have just sat down for a moment and we literally we did we sat down for literally all of five minutes didn't we but yeah. I did I just had to do it and you know what the other thing was as well when you said there was a lot of like stopping and starting on the route in terms of walking and stuff what I found really difficult was that the route would change from trail like soft trail to, to concrete so often mm. and that just like my feet absolutely going back onto concrete was so painful every time that was like one of the worst things but yeah, by then I was, I just, my legs were so beaten. I was, just, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I did do it, no. but almost couldn't. <laughs> it was a really big hill. When we yeah. got to the top of the really big hill, and then we got to a golf course, oh, which was, 
it was kind of nice because a wonderful place for a golf course right on top of the hill there and the golfists were all very friendly they they kind of chatted to us one of us gave us like he asked us where we'd come from and said oh if you go beyond that there's another great route up another hill there well oh, thank you very much unfortunately the path we we're on basically ran between all and alongside all of the fairways and so we nearly died quite a few times i, I had a golf ball land at a lot of speed next to my foot and i'm not exaggerating if i'd have been let's say half a meter <laughs> yeah on the other side of the path still on the path then that would have hit me in the back of the head yeah i think i did actually happen no no i think that was coming from in front i think no, no, the one, i turned the one to that look at that me, point wasn't it? it was behind there was one that came from the front when we were further on, and then one that came behind. Oh yeah, so, yeah, good point. We were we were alongside two fairways going both ways. Because mm. I looked back and I could see the bastards. Because I looked back and I thought, if I can see you, you can see me. Why? Just wait. Just wait five minutes. Jesus. I think they Christ. saw the pace of us and thought, well, we haven't got time to wait for these lot. Mate, they're so arrogant. Like you think you're a good shot, but you're not, mate. Unless you are trying to actually aim for the back of my head, you're not a good I think- shot. I think, unfortunately, from their point of view, going both ways, we were kind of to the left of them, which it feels to me as a not a golfist, if you're going to shank the ball, it's going to go to the left a bit. And so, yeah, there was about three or four came pretty close to us. So that was fun. That was a nice way to finish the run. Yeah, they're just lucky I had I didn't have the energy by then because I would have been kicking up. If I was at the, if I hadn't been that hill to let let all that my energy out... At that stage of the run, I was grumpy enough to be properly kicking off at someone. And you, you know what I've said about ranting to people down the phone? They would have been getting it, like, oh, yeah. straight away. It's a good job I had that hill to simmer me down, I was telling you now. <laughs> and well, once we got out of the golf course, we could then see the finish. Because we could see the statue in a little park, uh, maybe, you know, four or five hundred metres ahead. Um, we were still walking this but we'd walked all the way down even though it was a slight downhill out of the golf course we were walking by then because Amy was fucked I was like do you want to try a little run Amy no I did I ran okay. a bit in the golf course I ran a bit but that was like a scary that was let's, adrenaline. let's get out of here run <laughs> yeah. and as we got I think like 20-30 metres from the statue we said right come on but let's run to the statue we'll all touch it at the same time and finish the run and we did hit the statue stop the watch in like three seconds under six hours hey so good for us. But as it turns out, that was that wasn't actually the end of the run. Because <laughs> we could see the statue coming yeah. off the golf course, but the statue isn't technically the finish of the Penrith Pilgrimage Way. There's actually a well about 150 meters away, which just looks like a little stone house. Mm. That's the actual finish. And it's bullshit so, as well, because like the names on Google Maps, the statue is called um, Our Lady of Penrith. It's something like Our Lady of Penrith. And then the well yeah. is called... Our Lady of Penrith, save our souls. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. But so we did finish at the wrong place. Uh, but we didn't think it would matter. No. So we were just under six hours. The call was then to get home. And there was a way to get down to the train station, which was about a mile and a half down the street and back again. But I happened to spot on uh, Strava heat map. You could just go straight down the side of the hill. And cut about half that distance off. I thought, oh, that'll be easy because no. running down a hill is no problem. No. I love that. But yet again, I kind of forgot that you were completely fucked. It was so and painful. And don't like running down hills. No, by that point, it was painful. And also that hill, yeah. 
It was quite dangerous. I nearly slipped over several times. <laughs> just going back That's to the train it. station. I, I just kind of went by my head. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm fine to run down the hill. I don't mind that at all. I know Mike doesn't mind running down hills, but you were just completely fucked. I think it probably took us longer to go the shorter way. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I probably could have managed running on the road, like that windy sort of, you know, switchbacky yeah. sort of thing because it wasn't as steep. But I couldn't be running down a hill that steep with my feet or how they were. No way. It was awful. Yeah, and as it turned out, when we got to the bottom of that, I just double-checked the train times and I'd got them wrong or they'd changed. And so we got, I think we were half a mile from the station with five or six minutes to go. So Mike was like, okay, I'm just going to run for the station because I want to get home soon. We're like, yep, fair enough, off you go. So he sprinted off down the road, didn't actually know where he was going. And we just kind of walked along afterwards. And as we got to the train station, he came out of the shop with a bag of crisps and a pasty and a bottle of Coke because he'd missed the train as well. Mm. So then we went to Asda to buy just a shitload of, what, basically just crisps and cake and bread because mm-hmm. we're proper athletes. Like I that. ate a whole, a whole loaf of Tiger Blair bread at the train station. And that was very impressive, just a whole one. It, was, it wasn't even very nice. I, I must say the Asda there was so subpar. It was awful. They there. There wasn't much on offer really in the bakery. The sandwich section was absolutely shocking. So I had to make do. I bought a, a, a loaf of tiger bread from the bakery, which I ate all in one go, some sweets and a, and a drink. But I would have preferred to me. And can I just say, I went to the toilet because I hadn't I hadn't done a wild wheel or a wild poo anywhere on route. I, you know, so I, I did quite, I needed the loo. The toilets were up like two flights of stairs as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I went to the loo as well and kind of got to the, like, the back corner of the store, walk all the way through the shop, and then, like, toilets this way, and then some stairs, and oh, fucking hell. Not the one. Did not need that. Not the one. And then we had to walk back to the train station, and then we waited about half an hour in a uh, little kind of, a little bench thing that smelled of piss. Yeah, love it. <laughs> it was such a great day. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, you know what? I want to do it again. Like as soon as I got home, I was like, oh, I "That's do it the again. bit that I cannot believe." You were so fucking miserable. You hated it so much, and then like the day after, you say, "Yeah, I'll do that again." What? I feel like I've done it once, and it's like training to do it again. <laughs> I would do it again. I'd quite like to do it because now I know the way, and I wouldn't get lost. So it would, you know, straight away. That's about half an hour saved yeah it's about a mile taken off it because it probably is 20 miles we did 21 miles but i reckon it's probably about a mile worth of getting lost so yeah we talked about elevation earlier and your garmin actually tracked over a thousand meters of elevation which i'm i want to kind of believe because because it's a coros and it's sort of designed for trail running and ultras and stuff yeah, mine was about 900 yeah. and Mike's was somewhere in between. So it was a lot. And I prob- I guess that's probably the most elevation you've done in a run, isn't it? I would, yeah, probably say so. I don't think even, the thing is like the Vogum isn't even that because the Vogum in terms of elevation isn't that crazy because it's like mm. up a cliff and then you're along the cliff and then you come back down the cliff, you know? So yeah. it's, yeah, it was a lot. I really, really felt it. That was the thing for me. You know, like I said, if it had been flat, I think I'd been been quite fine because I felt like I had the energy in me. It was just my, it was just my legs, like the muscles, it was, it was my muscles and my legs being like, no, we're not trained for this. We cannot do anymore. So yeah, it broke me and just made me realise I need to do a bit more elevation training for sure. Can't do the elevation. What I loved about that as well, I checked the Stravas afterwards of each of us because I had to submit it to the fastest known website. Mm. And my favourite thing was the relative efforts for each of us. <laughs> Because I love a bit of Strava relative effort because it basically just goes by your heart rate and the time. Mm. It doesn't really take into account 
I kind of does a bit, you know, how fast you run everything, but it pretty much just goes off your heart rate. My relative effort was 137, which okay. I thought was incredibly low. So I was kind of a bit annoyed about that. Um, I looked at Mike's. His was 57. Wow. I don't think his heart rate got above 110. He was very, very easy. He was basically strolling the whole thing, running at kind of our pace. Your relative ever, Amy, was 594. <laughs> and honestly, I say this with genuine admiration. That really does show how hard that run was for you. Yeah. I think oh, the relative totally. effort is great for that because... It just makes me realise, fucking hell, I know Amy was complaining, but that is why. Because that I have never yeah. got anywhere near that kind of score. No, it was, it, it for me, it was the constant elevate. Well, not only the constant elevation, but like also the downhill, like I said, was taking it out on me in terms of the pain. So, I mean, there was that, but it was just a lot of uphill, a lot, right from the very beginning. And I just... I just couldn't hack it. I need to do way more training before the rhythm on that because the rhythm's a lot of elevation, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's a yeah, lot. That's, yeah, what, that's kind of elevation. why I want to do it again because doing it, although I hated from 10 miles on, I fucking hated it. Like, it's made me realise, like, this is probably good for me to do if I want to do the rhythm. So it's got to be done. Yep. So we submitted it to the fastest known website and we got an FKT. So we're talking about we are the fastest known people ever to run that route we're up there in the world with all the big record holders and we had that record for all of 11 days before some other guy came along and did it in two hours and 15 minutes faster that's bullshit (laughs) yeah which is not a big surprise because there's plenty of good runners around who can do that a lot quicker like six hours is very soft however technically we are still the fastest mixed gender unsupported team there so we we've go. still got that. Yeah, we, we will hang on to that with our dying yeah, Until friend. literally any other person tries to go for it. You know what? I told uh, my mum, Nikki Genders, friend of the podcast, I told my mum, I was like, oh, we got the FKT. And she's like, yeah, because you're the only people that have run it. It's like, it's, it still counts. <laughs> Someone has to be first. Yeah. I don't like, shit on my parade. <laughs> Supportive as ever. <laughs> yeah, well, we've, we've still got it and we've incredibly happy to be on that website and actually i was on uh, twitter on our podcast account as well and i spotted um another podcast so i gotta get a shout out here to john cassidy and stephen watts who are presenters of the podcast young hearts run free and they've also just run an fkt along the river tay in perth in scotland theirs was 50 miles but they had less elevation than us so they're out for longer but they probably had an easier run let's face it yeah it's about yeah when you when you look at it it's probably about the same and you know what? It's a very lovely podcast. It's just those two guys talking about their runs. And it's such a wonderfully colloquial Scottish accent they've got. And it's so nice to listen to because I think we're used to perhaps TV of just like rough Glaswegian yeah. urban Scottish accents. And it's just these two really lovely accents. And it's just kind of nice to listen to. I, there's bits of it didn't even understand, but I didn't mind. You know, sometimes when like Scottish Twitter infiltrates into your oh, Twitter God, yeah. and it's always funny. I don't know. I don't know why. That's kind of what this was like, but a lot more polite. Love it. I'll have to give that a listen. That's a little uh, podcast recommendation for you. So there you go. That's our FKT and it's there if anyone wants to have a go for it. It was an experience. It was kind of traumatic, but I'd do it again. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully next time we'll be speaking to two people who volunteer with Fastest Known Time and uh, we'll be able to give us some proper background into how it all works. 
Right, it's time for everyone's favourite section of the podcast, but for most people, it's only their favourite every other episode. It's where we beg for just £2 a month via patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit, and in return, we sing for you. And this week, it's another one of my Disney favourites. Mad Lise, Mad Jones, Mad Garner, David Irwin, Mad Newbury, Charlie Nevison, Maria Wicks, Tori Knight Phillips, Gordy Thelwell, Anthony Howe, Elliot Lyme, Gabby Thomas Nair, Ruth KP, Len Martin, Adam Atkinson, Rachel Bentley, Simon Ross, Matt Caffey, Moena Billen, Chris Whitmore, Brian Simpson, Liz Reese, Sophie Jakes, Victoria Dick, Stevie Hunter, Paul Hibbert, Matthew Wall, Ivor Hewitt, Stuart Stevens, Amanda Murray Hind, Clark Gilmore, Angela Foster Swales, Rich Skirm, Sam Wally, Neil Denton, Kirk Shepherd, Tim Hughes, Lisa Gibbon, Karen Hamilton, Jay, Jules Atkinson, Matt H. Penny Simpson, Julia Page, Hugh Phillips, Ian Hales, Carl Fleming, Debbie Hurley, Bernadette McCarthy, Nikki Genders, Jonathan Carter, Rob Smith, Dave Sinclair. And on to your messages. And first up this week was a photo from Karen Hamilton at Wagey Bridge Parkrun in Australia, who, whilst wearing her BS buff, managed to run into one of the only other people in Australia who also has one. So a shout out to her and Toc for repping the merch. Yeah, great uh, little spot there because there's only, I don't know, less than 10, I'm sure, in Australia. Mm, so yeah. she's done very well to find another one. Thank what you. What are the chances? And we had a very handsome photo of Brian Simpson flying the BS flag, or multifunctional tube as we like to call it, in Messina, Italy. We of course are obliged to say he is handsome as he is a Patreon donor. That's just one of the services we offer if you subscribe to our Patreon. We will boost your ego just a little bit every week. Not too much. False flattery is all part of the service. Yeah, not too much or else you wouldn't donate to this shit podcast, but just a bit. We'll neg you as well just to keep you... Oh yeah, a lot of that, a lot of insulting as well. Yeah. Uh, we do have a few buffs left, actually. Uh, please get in touch if you want one. They're just nine quid. Just drop us a message, uh, kind of anywhere really. Um, that is, unless you live in Bulgaria, apparently. If you want one, you live in Bulgaria. Please don't bother. Um, I sent two a few months ago that just disappeared into the void. Uh, so there's probably a postman in Bulgaria wearing those. And tried again with a next day courier. Uh, that was two weeks ago. <laughs> and the tracking shows they got to Sofia, then flew to Belgium. And they've been sat in Stansted for the last 12 days. What, so they came back here? Yeah. They went to Belgium, Sofia, or Bulgaria, back to Belgium, and then to Stansted. And they're, they're, apparently they're just there. Right. Just so, that, so much for the next day courier. <laughs> so if you're in Eastern Europe, sorry, Brexit has fucked all of that. God, it's a good job it wasn't something really important. <laughs> no. Come on. Thank you, Customs. Uh, we also had an email this week. You love this, Amy. Uh, we've been offered some sponsorship for a men's pube razor brand that advertise on basically every football podcast. <laughs> um, apparently, Anne-Marie loves our content. 
I was tempted to reply to her and say, um, which parts in particular did you really like? Okay, I've got I've got two things to say here. Firstly, yeah. let's get this out of the way. I hate this whole like men and women bloody razor. It's a razor. It's a razor. A razor is a razor is a razor. Do you know what I now, mean? These, these are specific pube razors. Oh my god! But this is a specific thing. I think their tagline I've heard on our podcast is something like getting the right tools for your family jewels. That's disgusting. If we had it's to say that, horrible. I, no way no way no way vetoing that but women also have pubes down there and some women also shave down there so i don't understand <laughs> why there needs to be this segregation like i hate it and the fact they advertise on football podcasts i can only i can do, I, yeah. yeah yeah like lad size large uh, shave your pubes you know yeah I, well it's, it's that and like beer um subscriptions as well oh gross and, and the thing is like the, the other thing i want you to say is Anne-Marie I really hope you're not an actual legit listener who's really into running and just happens to work at this company. Mm. Because <laughs> you imagine mm. her just sat crying in a car right now while she's out on a run, like, oh, I just wanted to reach out to my favourite podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, like these razors, the adverts, I hate them so much. Yeah. Um, I I got a subscription to a football website, so I don't have to listen to those uh, adverts in the podcasts. Mm. Yeah, that's how much I don't like the adverts. I hate stuff Sorry. like that, and I hate it when it's like you know this is my very specific hate. But when they have to like, if they're like trying to sell men like hygiene products or grooming products, they have to try so they think they have to try so hard. Like, yeah, this is really manly. It's not just a girly thing to shave your pubes. You can be a man and do it, and watch football and drink beer. Like, just chill out, man. Chill out, just yeah. sell a razor. It doesn't matter. We're, we're gonna chill. we're gonna come to something a bit like that later okay. on. Okay, oh. it's wonderful. Um, also, something we wanted to discuss this week is I sparked a discussion on Facebook the other day that I just had to open up to our listeners, and it's what I thought was a very straightforward subject, which is what do you do with your old shoes? Now I had to ask because I saw a comment from someone who said they never throw out a pair of shoes that have run a marathon. And someone else said they have 16 pairs of shoes in the hall, some that get used, and some are retired. Amy, have you ever retired your shoes? Yeah, I have. I don't call it retiring my shoes because I think that's a bit mad. But um, yeah, if uh, if my usually my shoes get a hole in them in the sort of upper, that's when they usually get retired. If it's a big hole, they get put in the bin because they're of no use to anyone. But if it's a little hole or it's something else to do with the structural integrity of the shoe, I tend to just wear them casually, you know. But 16 pairs of shoes in your hall, that is too many pairs of shoes and in just your hall. The, the weird sentimentality of never throwing out a pair of shoes that have run a marathon. I mean, what are you doing with them? Are you putting them on a shelf? Are you, like, dusting them every week to make sure they stay pure? And when people come around, they can say, ah, look at my shoes. They have run a marathon. I'm like, to be honest, these days, a marathon's not a huge deal. <laughs> Every fucker's run a marathon these days. <laughs> I mean, when I eventually replaced my trail shoes, partly because they had a hole in them, but also I thought, you know what, I ran my ultra in this. I did all my training in these shoes. They probably need replacing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and thing- that's only because they got a hole in them that I realised that I've probably run too many runs in them and I bet the soles are like nothing now. <laughs> you have a very small reflection to say, oh, I did all the running in these. Oh, well, in the bin they go. Yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Yeah, you get through so many shoes. I'm not really sentimental about it. I just sort of wear them out when I'm walking the dogs if they can withstand that. If they haven't got a massive hole in the. That was the other thing about the the run the other week at the uh, pilgrimage way run. I had a massive hole in my shoe. 
Oh yeah, actually, yeah, we both fucked our shoes completely, didn't we? Yeah, they were right yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of their lifespans, and I think both are going to need to be retired now. I know, and my toe hurt. I almost gave myself like a toe injury because my toe was was going too far beyond the toe box of the shoe. It was like sticking out the hole. That really hurt. But yeah. <laughs> well, we had loads of responses on social media to this. And just the day, we had a message from Julia on Instagram who just literally held a retirement party for her no. first pair of shoes. Yeah. No. <laughs> she baked cakes. She made no. a playlist and got the shoes a crown to wear. Amy, you can click on the link there to see what we're talking about. And you know what? Actually, I've completely swung around and I think that's adorable. It's her first ever pair of shoes. She's having a little party. She's obviously in lockdown. has got nothing better to do. Good for her. I think that's lovely. I've, I've changed my mind completely. <laughs> that's kind of sweet, kind of mad. And that's oh, why Julia. I like it, because it is kind of mad. And that's not in a nice way. It's the effort. The, uh, you have to, if you're going to do this, you have to go all out or else you'll just be seen as completely mad, I think. you know. Well, well I messaged her back and said, well, hopefully this is the start of a tradition. You have to do this for all of your shoes now. Yeah, you don't want to feel left out, right? Mm. So from the replies on social media, the standard pattern seems to be once they're worn out from running, they get used for walking and then maybe for gardening and then binned or recycled. Yeah, a lot of people came back with some kind of variation of that. Mm. I did like Chris Fall, who spelled this out nicely with his life cycle of a running shoe. So it's first of all, used for running. And then complain they've lost their cushioning, but maintain when asked, they've still got a couple of hundred miles left. Then they retire to gym shoes, but you never actually go to the gym in them. Then you retire them to everyday shoes and then bin them when they become so manky they're a biohazard. And of course you keep the boxes. No, Obviously. Chris, don't keep the boxes. Yep, keep the boxes. Oh, I like that. That's a good, it's like the circle of life, isn't it? That's what Elton John was writing about in Lion King. Probably, Chris's yeah. Shoes. I used to be a keep boxes kind of person because they might come in useful, but I got shouted at a lot and they all got thrown away. And now I'm, I've swung, again, I've swung around get rid of the boxes you're not going to use the boxes you know what the other day i threw away a load of shoe boxes and today what did we need for that bloody pigeon a shoe box to put it in did you yeah just make it a nice little bed so it was comfy while it recovered okay. um, it's had to sat on the you had to sit on the cold hard floor that poor thing well, i suppose you are a friend of the birds you should expect these kind of things i know i should keep shoe boxes specifically for that reason and um, what I found really surprising as well on all of these replies was just the amount of shoes that people had. Mm. Brian Davis has seven pairs in rotation. Gabby Neer has eight. And she even broke it down to light trails, sticky trails, hybrids, light trails two, and four different road shoes, bouncy ones, light ones, club run ones, and the good pair. That is too much work. I, that's too much to think about. It's very ominous, the good pair. We only bring these shoes out for special. Oh, these are for best. I I will say, I usually only have two pairs of shoes, one for road and one for trails. However, in, you know, my usual thing where I just blindly buy a pair of shoes online, I kind of did that when I had to replace my shoes with the whole, you know what, my shoes had a hole in, holy shoes, pilgrimage trail, religion. Whoa. I I missed a good pun there. I missed a really good pun. Anyway, so when I had to replace my shoes, I blindly just ordered another pair of similar ones and the cushion is not all that. So I may be getting another pair of shoes for longer runs and a pair of shoes for shorter runs on road. I have three pairs of shoes then, which is so unlike me. Normally I just wear the same ones for road, but I don't get all this seven pairs in rotation. Yeah, I think I've only ever had two pairs of road shoes and then some trail shoes and that's it. Anything more than that is incredibly unnecessary and weird yes 
We had a great message from the well-named Michael Youngblood, who sounds like a vampire, who is a new listener and is sending us stuff already. So we like him a lot and we shall keep him. Uh, He's introduced us to the Stealth Skin Collection. And these are various types of sports briefs and boxes. And let me read you this description and I'll kind of omit the parts of the body it refers to um, just to see if it makes you think of anything else. I'm going to use my sexy voice. Our Dominate Cut continues the zero friction technology with a reinforced band to balance the longer length. This is the style for those who experience ride-up or chafing. As part of the Dominate collection, you'll experience the Featherlight's barely there feeling that only stealth skin can give. It has an 8-inch inseam and fits true to size. I hate it. I hate it. Now, I know this isn't perhaps your area of expertise, but that's... They've got that uh, marketing stuff from a condom, surely. I hate it. I hate everything about that. It's something very visceral in me is disgusted and repulsed by the wording. (laughs) You're going to love it even more, Amy. Have a click on that link and just have a look at the images on the website they've used as well. I don't want to see it. Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's kind of like homoerotic for gay men, I think. It's very like... Very out there. There's these very, um, very tight kind of black, smooth briefs, trunks, and pants. But each of them look like they've got a tennis ball stuck in the front. It's, it's like something you would see in like a softcore gay porn magazine, isn't it? It's very homoerotic. The models are like (laughs) bodybuilders, like mega hench in like kind of twisty, kind of really tense positions as well. It's like the, just the bulge in them is amazing. I hate it. I hate it. They're very expensive as well. They are. I feel like this would be like some weird sort of fetish thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think people are going to be running in them. I feel like this is very yeah. something very specific, a very specific category. And referring back to what you <laughs> mentioned earlier, they also sell a face mask, which because it's being marketed at men, is called a Stealth Shield Pro. I hate it. Pro. I hate shit like that. God. <laughs> it's a face mask. God, it, it, well, don't even. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to carry on. I'm not going to carry on with it. I hate it. I hate stuff like that. Ugh. Anyway. You're washing your hands of all this. Yep. <laughs> Well, please, uh, don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit. If you see anything else running-related that will disgust Amy in quite so such a visceral way, uh, please search Running is BS on Twitter and Facebook and let us know why you particularly hate running this week. We always love to hear it. Okay. Bullshit! Running news for men! Just for men! Bullshit running news! There's going to be beer, football and tits! There we go. I'm trying not to pull any muscles in my chest while I'm coughing yeah careful you've been watching Euros adverts because that's basically what they all are (laughs) now there's been some kind of really weird doping news from the US as Shelby Houlihan has tested positive for the steroid Nandrolone but claims it was from a pork burrito she ate the night before the test now apparently this is a legitimate potential source of a false positive test uh, from Pig Offal. But despite a toxicology report to show she hadn't been using it regularly, the Court of Arbitration has upheld the ban of four years. And she's, she's like one of, she's basically America's best middle distance runner. So this is kind of a huge thing. The mm. thing I found most surprising about it was that she'd never heard of Nandrolone. And I just 
that's bizarre to me because I've heard of it and I'm not a professional athlete. Mm. And like I, I looked it up and nearly 50 athletes have been suspended over the years for this, including Linford Christie. So it's quite a big one. And it is a bit old school in terms of doping. How can she never have heard of it? It's her job to know the shit that she shouldn't be taking. And also, if you know that certain things can trigger it, like pork or, or whatever, don't eat those things. <laughs> Why did she not know about the things that could trigger it? If that's your career. Yeah, surely, well, again, she'd never it, even heard of the steroid. She had to look it up. And I just think that's incredibly she, irresponsible. That's kind of naive. Is she a big enough deal to have, like, a dietitian and stuff? Oh, God, yeah. I say she's basically America's, one of their top runners. Then why isn't her dietitian warning her of these things or her coach or somebody around her at least saying, like, oh, careful not to eat this, this and that before a race because it could trigger these tests? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just really strange. I know we kind of talk about doping stories sometimes, but we don't go too far into them because they're incredibly complicated and we kind of don't want to get into it. But this is just a really strange one to say you've got, a false positive from a burrito mm. you'd think in a way if you were doping you would have a better excuse lined up <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's a burrito yeah mm, yeah that's, that's a weird one in other news benjamin pachev has just run a half marathon in one hour six minutes and 33 seconds in portland which is pretty impressive by itself but what was really remarkable was that he was wearing Crocs. Jesus. And he's also run a 14 minute, 47 second 5K in Crocs and says that they're not that much different from racing flats. I'm so sick of the Croc stories. How are people running so quickly in Crocs? I guess he's just good anyway. And it, like yeah. he says, they are, if they're just very flat, light shoes, they're mm. not that different. Everyone hates Crocs. It's just one of these things that everyone hates. And I don't really understand why people hate it so much i just don't just don't wear them no just if you don't like them don't wear them i don't do you reckon he wears like i know they had that little thing for the ankle on the back like the little ankle strap is he wearing them with the ankle strapped in or over the top yeah you definitely have to yeah you reckon because you see people were running in flip-flops those weird bare feet flip-flops so that's that's where my thinking comes from with that i don't know well you know they're probably like 20 30 quid probably a hell of a lot cheaper than racing flats so yeah why not It, it works for him and just a little quickie uh, to finish, Trees Not Tees, who we've spoken about before, are trying to crack America. And they've got a partnership with a kids triathlon event in Texas. So this is the uh, organization that tries to promote, instead of getting a t-shirt at the end of a race, you can instead donate that money to plant trees instead. They're buying land in America to do that, same as they have in the UK. They've got land in Scotland, planting the right trees in the right places. And now they're trying to crack America, so good for them. Mm, good luck with it it's a really really good idea like anything we can do to sort of offset all this waste especially when they're giving away bloody t-shirts that most of the time don't fit you when you're just chucking a drawer you know i think it's a really good cause mm-hmm. so Stuart, what have you got coming up next uh, for me, it's trails, trails, trails. Amy, you need to get out on the trails as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm leading a group run this week, and then I'm going on someone else's next week, where we're going to tackle one of the biggest sand dunes in Europe. I'm looking forward to that. I've only ever run down it. I've never run up it. So that seems like that's uh, going to be a laugh. I've not done either. I've been to, yeah, I've been to Merthmaur a few times before walking, but I've never run it. So I can imagine it's going to be incredibly difficult. Difficult. There yeah, it is a ridiculous one so oh that's that's what you're doing next as well then i guess yeah i'm doing i might not see you though because um i'm going along with a friend who's american and we're having a fourth of july she's doing a big fourth of july barbecue type thing 
So, uh, so w- w- where are we going after that? <laughs> you can come if you want. What, what, yeah, I assume I'm invited. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. I don't know. Not more than 30 people, is it? So. <laughs> I love how you said it. Oh, you might not see me because I've got a friend coming. What, are you going to avoid me? No, no, no. We're, we're getting there super early. We're going to be up and down the sand dune before people even get out of bed. And then we're off to like set off fireworks and play baseball or whatever we're doing. Oh, well, I guess I may or may not see you then. Thanks. Maybe. Yeah. Might do, might not. Who knows? Who knows where I'm going to be? <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, if you have enjoyed this bullshit, you can visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue, as well as links to our Patreon, our merch store, and our social medias. Goodbye from me. Bye. <laughs> see you later. It was an experience, it was kind of traumatic, but I'd do it again.